Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace, and with me, as always, is my very, very talented friend who will no doubt go down in history as a rule breaker as well as a rule maker. She is a mixed Stacey Gina. <laughs> I was not ready for what you were going to say. I was like, oh my God. Are you ever? <laughs> Sometimes I can like kind of like think maybe I'm on the right path. And I was like, wait a minute. That could have gone really south, but yeah. thank you. Wow. I, so it's the celebrate, we're in the celebration of Women's Month. Yes, and, my favorite month. Yes, and it's also International Women's Day, um, which just passed, which was on March 8th. Um, so I was hoping that we could all, I don't know, maybe inspire our listeners to embrace their inner rule breaker and not fear being a rule maker. You know, be a little more like you. And another legend from the behind the bar Ada Cooley Coleman. So for those of you who don't know, Ada was a trailblazing pioneer. She broke through gender barriers, all kinds of things to become one of the world's most famous bartenders at the time when uh, female bartenders were extremely rare. Extremely rare. I'm well, 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 not known, but they weren't rare. Yes. They were not known because they had a vagina. <laughs> and when you have a vagina, we can't talk about you. <laughs> but go on. So during her time at the American Bar at the Savoy in London in the early 1900s, um, she made the bar world famous. She delighted every patron and celebrities of her day with her hospitality and inc- incredible drinks, of course. Um she was known to be the life of the party, just like you, Gina. Um, and she counted Mark Twain, Charlie Chaplin, Marlene Dietrich, and even the Prince of Wales amongst her patrons. That Charles has been alive a long time. He has been. He was around for a long time. <laughs> he got around, if you will. Um, so, and it's funny, is I think you had actually introduced me to this drink. Ada's most famous cocktail it was the Hanky Panky. Delicious. Yes, and I think it's one of your menus that actually introduced me to that cocktail. Well, uh, yeah, and so, and Hank's Oyster Bar forever. Yes, that's yeah, exactly. It is still on the menu. <laughs> yeah. um, so um, after more than a century, um, it's still known as uh, one of the top fifty best-selling classic cocktails in the world. Isn't that cool? I mean, if it's good, then it never dies, you yeah, know? Apparently. And of course a woman made it because that's what makes it better. <laughs> Obviously. So uh, she retired in 1926. And to your point, to this date, remains one of the most famous or most celebrated bartenders in the history of the craft. Which is the best. But you know what's really crazy? What's that? There's no cocktail book for her. And if there is, and I'm wrong, and then, and then if our next... Well, let's introduce our designated drink and then we'll ask her because all the men have a cocktail book and like most of the women don't they don't have one. Oh, maybe we should do that for her yeah maybe so even though ada coleman began her trailblazing over a century ago to your point people still have misconceptions about women and cocktails but between you gina and today's designated drinker um you're about to change all this So let's introduce her, shall we? She's the Managing Director of Bourbon Women, a group passionately dedicated to bourbon culture. Please welcome Heather Wibbles to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm just, I'm so pleased to be here and talk cocktails and bourbon with you all. Great. So let's just start off the show right, shall we? And give our listeners just a little bit about bourbon women. 
Well, sure. Bourbon Women is a national organization that's really dedicated to educating women about bourbon and bourbon culture, curating really fun experiences. And honestly, a lot of it has to do with the magic that happens when you're sipping whiskey in a room full of women. There's really nothing like it. Um, A lot of what we do um, is have events in person. Obviously, during the pandemic, we switched to doing a lot of virtual events, which we still continue to this day. And our membership grew about 25, 30% over the couple of years wow. of the pandemic, which we were shocked when we looked at the numbers, but it kind of made sense because there's a real hunger for bourbon education among women. And, um, you know, it started in Kentucky. We're, we'll be 12 years old this year as an organization. So that's sort of a thumbnail about uh, what bourbon women is. That's awesome. So it, I guess, you know, I mean, now that we're on the back, the flip side, or well, hopefully the flip side of COVID, it does make sense why people would get more interested and find smaller groups like like yours, or even just have the time or maybe even the moment of reflection to go, you know, I've really been wanting to do this and stop putting it off and really jumped into a space that they got to start to meet interesting people and talk about things that they and learn something that they were passionate about. Exactly. And one of the things that I find so interesting is that the types of whiskeys that women enjoy most are the ones that are higher proof, they're more robust and more complex. Um, Because I think there's the idea sometimes that women want the lighter whiskeys or they want a bourbon that's, you know, 80 proof. And when I'm with my fellow bourbon women, we're often sipping, you know, low end, 100 proof, high end cast strength pretty regularly. So it's, it's kind of fun to educate I guess the public about that kind of information because I think there's a there's a maybe a misconception about the kinds of things that women enjoy in bourbon and part of it is just we have larger olfactory bulbs than men and so we have the capacity really to detect and um, identify different scents and flavors and aromas in a way that um, is just because of our biological difference from men. Oh, that's interesting. That's really cool. Well, you know, we also see more color than men. I did not know that. We're just better. (laughs) It's a higher spectrum, and we actually see more color. So it's funny is when Dave wants to argue with color with me, I'm like, dude, first off, I'm our director, too. You can't even see half the colors I see, so shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I do love what you just said about the women liking the higher proof spirits. When you have 80 proof spirits and there's water added to it to bring it to 80 proof, you lose a lot of floral notes. And people believe that when you put water in, in spirits, you get lots of, it opens up. They call it opening it up. Yeah. Well, a lot of times you miss like where you'll have like those really peaked floral notes, especially in certain things like um, whiskeys, bourbons, even some gins, right? It's when you want it to be like 90, 100, 101 that those spirits start to peak. And I love cash strength, but like that's not for everybody. But I do feel like that's like where you begin to actually taste like all the things that women um, are like susceptible to in their palates. Like you're more prone for spice, sweetness, and uh, different flavors. That's why when you drink a bourbon, you might be like, oh, it's kind of sweet. And then like a male would say to you or, you know, they'll be like, what, why do you keep saying it's sweet? Because it, it for you, you're tasting something different. It's like a more of the flavor. Yeah, it's it's an interesting 
It's an interesting thing, your palate. It's interesting in general for tasting, but like I love that you brought that up because it's one of my favorite facts about um, the differences of uh, men and women. I always bring it up when I do like a spirits tasting, you know, like how you taste things and what you might be tasting and striking against. One of the things that I find really interesting is that when you have something at a higher proof, you can make it your own by adding water to it. But if it's already 80 proof, you can't really add a lot and get any extra flavors or aromas out of it. But the flexibility that you have with a spirit that's 100 or cask proof, you really can decide, do I want to sip it neat first? Do I want to then add some water and see what else? So you have a sip that changes based on whether or not you put water in it. Maybe you add some ice and see what happens. So I think another reason that it's um, important to me and to a lot of bourbon drinkers who love higher proof spirits, you can really dial into flavors by how much water or ice you add when you actually sip your bourbon. But now, as a distiller, you make your most money on the 70 proof spirits. <laughs> you do. 30% of water. You're like, look how many buckets of water I dumped into this. <laughs> but you can't call it a whiskey unless it's got at least 80 proof. <laughs> it's not a bourbon unless it's 80 proof. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Very jealous where you live. And if you haven't ever been to Kentucky um, and you... If you've ever like went on a wine, you've been to wineries, right? Sure, yes. And you like drive down in California and you're like, oh, here's this one. And there's, you know, I don't know, all the different wineries you can name off the top of your head. You're driving down the road. When you get to Kentucky, well, when you get to Louisville and Bardstown and all these places, right? Or you're approaching, all of a sudden you start seeing your liquor shelf wide open right all of a sudden you start seeing all the names makers mark loretta this way blah, blah, and all and like i felt like a kid in a, can, like a candy store I was like i love that bourbon let's make a right it's 13 miles down the road i mean i i didn't even know what to do and like i have been to distilleries and stuff like that but like i didn't really understand the scope of how wonderful kentucky is Right. Yeah. And like how cool it is to go and the water sources and all of those things. And like, and I just met Heather right now, folks. So just let's, let's just back up here. Right. <laughs> I'm ready to like go on a tour <laughs> with her instead because I had fun on my own. Oh, we have fun on tours. <laughs> but I feel like I definitely could learn a thousand things or two from you because that was incredible. Well, one of the things that is really fun for me is. Bourbon women started in Kentucky and Louisville. There were a couple of women, Peggy No Stevens, who's our founder, was in a meeting with another woman and they were uh, talking about afterwards, the fact that nobody was talking about women and what women liked in whiskey. And they knew because in Kentucky, women have always sipped whiskey. It's not something that's been trendy. It's what our mothers and our grandmothers sipped. I mean, my grandfather liked my grandmother because of the way she sipped her whiskey. And I said, how did she sip it? Well, she sipped it neat. So, you know, we have those kind of stories in our families. But what they found was women weren't part of the conversation of whiskey. And so what I like to say is we're bringing women to bourbon and bourbon to women. Because not only are we talking about educating women about bourbon, but also just quite frankly, getting more women into the bourbon industry. I think... There is a plethora of women who are at points in their careers where maybe they don't want to run the distillery, but maybe they want to be the director of communications. Maybe they want to be BCOO. I mean, there's all kinds of skilled women out there who love bourbon who maybe just need a little bit of education. And we kind of up the numbers in the whiskey industry because it is it has gotten much better over the last 10 years, first of all. 
But, you know, part of our passion isn't just getting women to like bourbon and women to talk about bourbon, but also getting brands to recognize women as a market and getting women excited about being in the industry. At the distilleries, 100%, you could see what's tailored towards the women there and what's not. A lot is not the smaller ones, but like the bigger ones, they have like all those gift shops now. And you can tell it's like, you know, women, women sip bourbon, you know, like you see like those cute little shirts and stuff like that. So I wonder if, you know, they're hearing you, you know what I mean? Like at, um, even heaven Hill had like a, like a little bit of that kind of stuff. Like real women drink bourbon. I don't know what it said. It said real women drink whiskey or real women did something. Yeah. Right. It didn't say real women vacuum. So that was great. <laughs> so I was like super, I, I was super pumped about that. Cause I was like, that's some bullshit. So how do you join? How do you get to you? How do we do this? Well, so, so you can find all about bourbon women at uh, bourbonwomen.org, right? And there's a big button in the middle that says, join us. Um, and we really have, we have 16 branches across the country. We have them on coast to coast. Um, and we have local events at all those areas. And really what we hear over and over again, like I went to the St. Louis Bourbon Festival and met with a bunch of women in the branch there. And what we hear over and over again from women, not just in Kentucky, but across the country is that they're, they're so excited to sip whiskey in a room full of women who understand the insanity that is loving bourbon. They understand that, you know, nobody's going to look at scants if you have 30, 50, 100 whiskey bottles, because we understand what it's like to taste a new bourbon or whiskey and think, I've got to have that. Even though, I mean, if you can't see it, but I've got like 50 or 60 open bottles behind me, but I don't have that one. So I want to get that one. And it's sort of like finding your people. It's like finding your tribe. So a lot of what we're doing is kind of expanding. For me personally, let me back up. For me personally, it's important that people who are whiskey drinkers who drink whiskey and cocktails and bourbon and cocktails feel comfortable to call themselves whiskey drinkers. Because when I say the words whiskey drinker, how do you think I'm drinking my whiskey? Probably neat. Yeah. But if I say I'm a gin drinker, how do you think I drink my gin? Like me with soda. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Long. For sure. Long. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right? So you're thinking, oh, she drinks martinis or she drinks gin and tonics or maybe she likes skinlets. So a lot of what I do personally when I'm talking with people about being whiskey, you know, whiskey education, cocktail education about bourbon, I'm really trying to expand the definition of what a whiskey drinker is because I think there's a huge, huge volume of people who love bourbon and whiskey and cocktails but feel like they can't call themselves whiskey drinkers when in fact they are in the same way that a gin drinker loves martinis. If I only want old fashions in Manhattans, can I call myself a whiskey drinker, a bourbon drinker? I think so. Yeah. I, yes. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. So Heather, tell us how did your journey start? Um, how did you end up as the managing director um, of this organization? And what does that, what does that role entail? Um, it started with uh, me moving back to Kentucky. I lived in Nashville, Tennessee for 17 years. I moved back to Kentucky and decided that bourbon was a, it's a huge part of the economy and of the culture here. And I thought, well, I should probably know a little bit about bourbon. So my best friend and I started going to the distilleries. And this was early on in the bourbon trail where I think we only had to go to six or seven distilleries to get our entire bourbon trail stamp. I think now they're like a 13 or 14 or 15. It's ridiculous. 
Um, and we heard about an event at the Filson Club, which is a historical society in Louisville with Fred Minnick, who is a huge whiskey writer. And it was a book called Whiskey Women. And we went to the event and we were greeted with cocktails by a woman named Joy Perini, who is one of the, the top cocktail people she's since passed. But she really started the revival of bourbon cocktails, especially in Kentucky and Louisville. And we went upstairs and heard Jimmy and Jaretta Russell, who, of course, are of wild turkey fame, uh, speaking about all of this. And then Fred Minnick talked about Jimmy his... Russell is so cute. He is. He's, he He's he so is cute. wonderful. He's a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, and we fell in love with the organization, and we never really stopped going to events. I was showing up for so many events. Um, I also decided I would start making uh, cocktails because we have an annual contest called Not Your Pink Drink Contest. I won it three years in a row, and they said, hey, Heather, maybe you could just judge instead of enter. So I said, sure. And um, eventually they asked me to work on the board and be on the board for several years. I chaired the board for a year, and then we had a need to really kind of develop a managing director role where we were moving from a smaller organization to something that was more robust, more mature. And so it's it's pretty much like an executive director role where I'm I'm basically managing, you know, how membership is going, how sponsorship going, how the events looking. So I'm working with an entire team of people who are volunteers and staff to really pull together this idea and this this magic that is women and bourbon when you get them together in a room. It's awesome. You want to be here, don't you, Gina? I want to. I want to hang out with her. <laughs> you need to come hang out with job. me. I don't. I don't want another job, but I definitely want to hang out with her and go into and go to um, other places. Do you know what time it is? Uh, it's time for a trick. It is time for a trick, you little treat. <laughs> you little trollop. <laughs> so what you got? Well, let's go see. Yep. Salt in your cocktails. You know, it's super important these days, right? Everyone's talking about like salt, MSG, Himalayan pink salt, uh, Maldon salt, you know, cocktails calling for salt in there. So I'm just gonna help you along with this process, right? So let's just talk about it. You have salt, you have this pink salt, this is Himalayan pink salt. This is something that you usually cook with, right? Put it, put it in the grinder, it comes out in your hand. I don't know if you can see that really well, but it's like really, really small and flaky. You don't use the small flaky salt for your cocktails. This will make your drink extremely salty. Use this for your pasta. Now, pink salt in a flake form is fine. You need to get it a little bit more granulated and a little bit bigger. Now, when you're looking at someone calls for pink salt, it doesn't mean replace it with pink sprinkles. Do not use pink sprinkles in your cocktail. Do you want to use this in your drink? Use it as a garnish, put it on the tray, serve your cocktails with it, stick it to the glass on one side, make it a party for sure but substituting sugar for salt is not the same. What you're looking for is the flake salt. This is called a Maldon salt. And Maldon salt is really quite lovely. It's considered a pyramid salt. And I'm showing this to you because like, if you say when a cocktail recipe calls for two flakes of salt, it's literally like one, two flakes of salt. And it's really quite special because not only are they look like a pyramid. They're also crunchy and they provide a little bit of texture and they can make something that's um, aperitif, tastes almost caramelly, and they can bring in a lot of flavors in whiskeys as well as a plethora of other liquors and liqueurs. So 
use your salt wisely. And if you ever spill it, throw it over your shoulder. So who knew you were such a salty dog, Gina? I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, I really wanted to touch on the idea of salt because salt and bourbon and cocktails, just a little nuance, like a little, like the flake of salt that we talked about really can change a bourbon and a cocktail so much so. And I really think that it's like one of those things, but you got to be careful what you use. Yeah. And you really want to use a flake salt and you do not want to use like an iodized table salt or, or, or finely ground salt because it will become too salty. Yeah. It's not, you're not making soup. You're making a cocktail. <laughs> right. That, that would be a completely different cocktail. Well, no, it would be turkey brine and it would be Thanksgiving and that would be a different episode. So, but I'm fine. So, where are they going to go get that tips and tricks? You're going to go to Designated Drinker Dodge Show for the tips, tricks, how to, and the recipes. And you can catch me on Instagram at Designated Drinker and you could see it for yourself and see the different salts I'm showing. Um, so, you can um, put a face to the voice. There you go. So to Gina's point, Designated Drinker Dot Show will also get you to uh, Bourbon Women. We'll have live links there so you can, if you're ready to join, want to find out more, find out more. Easy for me to say. Um, and if that's too far for you to go, don't worry. Just scroll down through your episode notes and we'll have live links right there for you. Yeah, and then Heather will get you bottles of Pappy 23. Sure. That's what you get as your um, entry. Because <laughs> I just keep them. Um... I just have a set of them behind me on the bar. Yes, that's go. exactly the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> they just send those out when you join. They're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming. So everyone knows, please note, Gina is a liar, liar, pants on fire. They will not send you that. <laughs> we do not have, no, 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 we do not. But, you know, if you all want to know the, um, if you all want to know the Bourbon Women channels, it's bourbonwomen.org is the website. And then all of our socials are at Bourbon Women. Yep, no worry. And if you didn't get it, doesn't matter. We'll have them live for you right in the episode notes. All right. This does bring us to the end of part one. Um, but don't worry. We've got more in store for you. If you'd like Gina and I, one round is never enough. Don't worry. We're going to tee up part two for you next week. So go ahead and top off that drink and get ready. Our second half of this episode and uh, with Heather and uh, come back enjoy enjoy some more boozy banter and Gina's gonna uh, whip up a fabulous Heather inspired cocktail recipe that you don't want to miss so cheers to that the designated drinker show is produced by missing link a Latino owned strategy driven creatively fueled production co-op from ideation to creation we craft human connections through intelligent engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Links League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please don't forget to follow, download, and review the shows. Your reviews help our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.